0: Head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Kidnall founder of leading Australian podcast agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. For many of us, the pandemic brought on a life change, whether we asked for one or not. Whether it was a change of pace or a total shift in industries, millions of people experienced change. Today's guest was one of them. After leading marketing and data science teams, managing 50 to $100 million in annual digital marketing spend at Airbnb, Michael was laid off during the pandemic. But it was his experience at one of the biggest property platforms in the world that helped Michael co-found HomeRoom a real estate company that helps renters pay less and owners earn more at the same time. In today's episode, Michael shares how to pivot in the journey of entrepreneurship. His data-driven approach to startups and why getting real-world experience can be worth more than education. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials or if you're new here, firstly, welcome And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome, Michael. Michael, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Excited to be here. Awesome. So you, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing in marketing and data science, I knew I had to have you come in the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, great. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun absolutely so look for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do tell us a little bit about yourself
1: yeah my name is mike tish helped uh, co-found a company called homeroom most recently kind of this like brainchild what johnny the ceo and i were kind of doing on our own side businesses uh, for the last maybe five or ten years so taking houses throughout the midwest florida basically that it would be a three or four bedroom sometimes adding in walls sometimes not and then renting them out by the room yeah a lot of work there of got started to it while I was working at Facebook in like the marketing analytics space, kind of just helping them to run some Facebook ads and yeah, really started growing it from there. I've also worked a lot of other tech companies, so worked at Google for a little bit, worked at Zynga for a bit, worked at Airbnb for about three years. So.
0: Absolutely. And I can't wait to dive into your entrepreneurial journey and everything you did before that in tech. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up in a farmland close to the Pennsylvania-Maryland border. Ended up going to school maybe about 20, 30 minutes away up in like a suburb near Baltimore. And, yeah, it's definitely impacted it. I definitely from like a small town area, right? So there's like helps build confidence when you're in those type of areas, right? I obviously learned a lot from growing up there, learned a lot from both of my parents, right? My dad's kind of a serial entrepreneur for quite a bit, right? So I started, I think, four or five companies now. I think I remember from a pretty early age, like, helping out with just, like, random tasks around, like, what he was working on, so.
0: I find that so interesting, Michael. I love asking that question for that reason. I think, you know, where we grew up and what our parents do or or did impact us greatly and, and just kind of shape us into kind of who we are so you know you spoke to what your dad did serial entrepreneur what impact did your mom have on you and I guess yeah what was the greatest lesson that both your parents taught you
1: yeah my mom was like mostly like uh also just helping out with my dad's companies right so that's like she always was willing to do like a lot of like professionally she was like an accountant right so always be very detail-oriented cared a lot about that type of stuff but like, very religious, right, to so make sure we went to church and everything growing up, right, and being, like, focused on that, so, yeah, always try to make sure we stay in connection with family and everything and whatnot, so, it's just great, at like, making sure I spend time with, I guess, my now three-year-old daughter and build that up, so. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's just, like, just work hard on something, and, like, it'll usually work itself out, right, so, like, don't always have to get everything perfect, but just keep trying stuff, and eventually something will work, so.
0: <laughs> eventually something has to seek. At what point for you do you think you really internalized that learning? You know, was it very early on when you were in high school at the country, or was it when you went to you know college and whatnot, and then thereafter? You know, at what point do you think that idea of just stick at it and just give it your you know all and, and work hard? When was the earliest time you think that played out for you?
1: Yeah, I don't know. College, I kind of went in a different direction. But <laughs> it's like, I definitely didn't work as hard as I guess I could have theoretically done there. I think actually moving out here, though, I think like once I moved to the Bay Area with my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, and like part of that was like, just keep working on stuff, right? So like, I think I, like, I moved here. And like, I was like, in a very mediocre contracting gig, and it was like not paying very well, right? And it's like, do that, right? And then work with other people at the company, find interesting projects to work on, find other things, find ways to improve skill sets, right? Because like, My background is not really in data science or marketing, right? So a lot of it's like, how do I teach myself new things, right? Found like a contracting business, ended up getting like a Google contract, right? Ended up helping them for a bit on one of their startup projects, right? It's mostly like marketing analytics, which was something I didn't have that much familiarity with, but like I got pretty good at SQL on just the side, right? So
0: I find it really interesting how almost places and moving to certain cities can almost spur that inspiration I guess drive from within and it seems like for you moving to the Bay Area was that for you you know how can I do something on my own on the side for our peers out there listening who perhaps are going through a similar transition you know whether it be new job new city new business whatever it may be or just where I'm at you know trying to take the business to the next step and the next level you know what advice would you give around finding ways to stay energized, to stay focused. And I guess also more so than that, finding that drive from within us to keep going.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously like, yeah, having a strong support network helps like quite a bit. Right. If like my wife wasn't here, like, I don't think it would have like worked out quite as well. Right. <laughs> Cause it's like having someone that keeps you focused on top of things goes like a pretty long way. So yeah, in, in terms of like what I kind of did to I got here, my wife and I are like, absurdly good at saving money on rent we got like incredibly hacky with it which is also the inspiration behind a lot of the work we're doing over at homeroom right because like we took out know, like found the whole house for 3500 hours a month rent it out and then finding individual people just on craigslist and whatnot to rent out the individual bedrooms or friends of friends and kind of that grew into like a side business
0: so so interesting so interesting so Take us back to the time where you just moved to the Bay Area. It's all new. It's all fresh. And you are starting out on your own on the side. Now, were you working full time for someone else during that time? Or were you just giving the side hustle thing a go, Or was that your main hustle?
1: This was kind of a full time gig. I was running my own business at this contracting gig at Google. And then I was like, okay. Then I ended up just finding a full W2 role over Zinga, Liked it. And then it was like, okay, let's join a release stage startup after that. So I joined the startup, leading their marketing team. I joined because they were like, weren't like were able to raise a B round, right? So that was like, well, what if we replace like the entire marketing team with Mike? Which was like, maybe, maybe that'll work. It did not. So I was there like maybe nine or 10 months just trying to figure it out before they ended up getting like acquired by Allstate. which was kind of a cool experience. But ended up just learning so much that I ended up getting a job out of Airbnb.
0: Ah, interesting. And this is where Airbnb comes into play. It's funny, I was reading up on you and it said something around you worked at Airbnb and then they fired during the pandemic or 2020, the whole marketing team at Airbnb.
1: It wasn't literally everyone, but it was close to 90%. So <laughs> oh was- my
0: goodness. Wild. But talk us through the personal side of that, right? You've just gotten this amazing gig at Airbnb. You've been there for a couple of years now. You feel like things are probably going pretty well for you, right? Talk us through that time.
1: I mean, the layoff was like the lo- lowest surprise possible because like, we weren't doing anything for a month. So, like, but, like, why do we even have jobs here? But like, going into COVID was like insane. I remember. Like very vividly, right? Because like we came in on like a Monday, I think basically beginning of March, and we basically had all these dashboards that we were using to look at stuff. And like I created a lot of them specifically to address what was happening around the globe. And the main KPI we were looking at was like cancellation rate of existing states and it was pretty crazy because normally that was quite stable. It's between three and five percent. It doesn't move a whole lot. People cancel for whatever reason. But then like obviously like you have a trip to Italy booked. Like COVID's going to hit. You're not you're not traveling to Italy. <laughs> So it basically went from 3% to about 99% like overnight by country. And you could see the wave spreading in our data, right? Because we would come in one day and like, oh, there was this huge hour by hour spike in Italy. And then like Italy would peak, right? And then like a day or two later, and then like France would start peaking and then like England would start peaking. So basically when that would happen is we would like, we have this whole playbook of like turning off all of our marketing spend, doing a bunch of other things on the ground to like handle these cancellations. Right. And like, there was a big, Company wide initiative for this came in back from the weekend, and it was like, "Well, every country is now hit with like 95% cancellation rates, so like, let's just turn everything off." Then I spent a month and a half basically putting together like a comeback plan, mostly focused around like focus on local stays, right? Because one thing we noticed quite quickly: yes, cancellations were quite high, but stays within about 200 miles. Local countries were like spiking like crazy and stays over a month were spiking like crazy. So, yeah, that was super interesting. It was pretty impactful for the company.
0: Brad, our that they're listening who are just getting started, right? They've just got a seed link of an idea. They're still hustling and doing their full-time gig, but they want to start something. They want to do something that they care about. You know, what would be the first few steps that you would recommend to us that we should take when we're just starting out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think obviously doing it on the side helps like quite a bit to de-risk it, right? So like back when I was working at Facebook, I didn't particularly love the company, but I was like, okay, like how, what can I do on the side that's just a little bit more like fun and interesting and not like ridiculously corporate? Oh, I would ended up like doing this like marketing consulting gig to pretty much only early, early stage startups. That's how I found Home Room. I don't know. I feel like there's something there of like, how can you actually be like a service oriented financing company?
0: So just to circle back on that one, do it on the side to start off with, you know, if we're thinking about how do we get started, you know, keep your main gig, you were still working at Facebook, start something up on the side and start that hustle. After we've done that and we know, okay, cool, we're going to commit to a side hustle. What would be next steps?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think once you know it's working, right. So I think once we like got into YC, raised a decent amount of funding, it was like, okay, I kind of have to quit like day job now. Once I actually do it full time, like I probably have to pay myself, and my wife will hate me, right? And it's like, well, if I don't have to pay myself, right, then like it helps the company like save a bunch of money, right? Like I basically work for equity, so. I was the guy doing all the marketing ads and data science, like that type of stuff, right? Like, yes, there's enough work to be done full time. But like, I can also do it in about 10 or 15 hours a week, for like that core part of it, right? And like, now I do that for about 20 hours a week and get roped into like, pretty much every project imaginable with the company. So like, but I can just say no to those things when I have a full time job. So
0: So interesting. So you've kind of given us the start and the end, you know, started as a side hustle and then, you know, ultimately when it's ready, when you're at that point, when you've got that money backing you, you quit. But, you know, could you give us two, three tips of what happens in between? You know, for so many of our peers out there listening, I can imagine them just thinking, oh, that's awesome, Michael. You've got it all figured out, you know. You got from here to here. I have no idea, Yeah,
1: (laughs) you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think, yes, I was working with Homeroom. I was working with a couple other companies helping out with their, like, marketing stuff, right? And, like, the way I kind of handle marketing is it should be, like, incredibly data-driven, right? Like, you should know, like, pretty quickly whether it's working or not, right? So, like, if you're spending $1,000 and you're not getting, like, over 1000 back, that's, like, kind of a good sign that maybe you don't have anywhere close to product-market fit, right? So, I was working with another company, don't need to say who, right? And it was, like, i was running ads getting okay cpas right but like their ltv was like 30 dollars a user right and like i can't get it that low right so it's like i can get it to like 50 or 60 but like okay it's still 0.5 it's just like this isn't really working out for me it's not working out for them then they ended up pivoting right and then it's like okay cool like i don't need to spend more time on this now so that happens fairly often right as i mentioned most startups fail especially i think any vc company would tell you that like if you're only investing in one company the chance of that working is not too high and then it's like okay once you have some data this is actually working you have some like really good ltv to cac and you want to double down that's when like it's a very data-driven approach to being able to make that decision right because like i mean even now at home right like a cost per new investor our customer is fundamentally real estate investors our goal is to find people that want to buy real estate that we can get them to add in extra bedrooms and then rent it out for them ltv is over a fairly long period of time because we're functionally a project manager but I mean, it is, over time, it's quite decently high, right, because we're collecting 15% of that recurring rent. So if we make $10,000 over a life of a unit, right, you have to spend less than that to acquire them, right? So at a high level, it's not particularly hard, right? So we were getting between, like, two dollars to $3,000 CPA, right, which is, like, like almost a 2 to 3x LTV to cap so Like, it's a pretty good sign that, okay, like, with more time, more channels, more budget, we can, like, double down and help scale this out, right? So...
0: Super, super cool. I love your data-driven approach to like figuring out. It's almost like dipping your toes in the water of all different startups and seeing which one, you know, you'd like to be a part of. It's, it's super interesting. So, look, Michael, you know, we could talk for days, but I am mindful of your time. So I have a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is what has been your greatest failure and win to date?
1: After college I was like didn't really want to start like working right so didn't really have a job didn't wanted to focus more on like top tier tech companies wasn't really to settle so I was like oh what if I do like a master's degree for like a year So I got like 90% of the way through that in like one semester and like I had like one or two classes left and I was like this is the most waste of time right like why am I even doing this like this is like not useful. I didn't even tell my wife at the time that I didn't actually finish it. I was like, Oh, yeah, I like took extra credits and graduated early, which was like, yeah, she was not happy about that because I like told her like six months later, she's like, you, like you have to like I finished it like a year later' cause it was like, even then it was still a waste of time. Like I don't even know why. Like if it wasn't for her, I definitely wouldn't have finished it. So like the first thing I did was just took like the first job I could find at Cisco. and like, I mean, I don't know if your Bay Area tech companies, they didn't pay very well. I was literally a data entry, like, intern, right? Like, it was, like, a pretty awful job. I think it was there a month, right? And it was, like, let's find something else because this was, like, I literally could have done this in, like, 10th grade, right? (laughs) Like, but yeah, answering both there. I think the, like, biggest loss there would be, like, why did I start this thing? And then, like, actually making the decision to, like, not keep wasting more time at it and then just actually getting real world experience as, like, fast as possible was, like, much
0: more valuable to me. I hear you. So look, Michael, over the last year and a half, but really five past years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received a lot of recognition for your work. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out?
1: I don't usually ask for permission for very many things, which like causes like, I don't know, some of my relations with my bosses have been like very hit or miss. I work pretty well with bosses that are very hands off. If they want to get micromanaging, it does not work well. I think also a second piece of advice, something I learned very quickly at Airbnb was like, stick to things I'm good at. At the startup, I came from a background of like being very, very hands on. Software engineering is like not my thing. And like at a startup, I might be one of like an average software engineer, because like they're paying nothing to people overseas, right? Like, you can kind of get away with the the code being, like, very mediocre and, like, buggy as hell. And, like, at Airbnb, like, you screw up someone's code, people really get pissed at you. I basically, like, committed myself to, like, not making code changes for six months, and then my reviews went from, like, meeting expectations to, like, exceed the great exceed, just from, like, focusing on, like, data science work, miscellaneous projects where I don't have to be a software engineer, and, like, basically being a project manager, right? So, like, don't try to be things you're not. And like, I don't even know if I'm following the advice now because now we barely have enough engineers. So like, I'm having to code my own JavaScript and it's like, I don't like it, but like, it's an early stage startup and it's not like I have a choice. Right. So like, as we're growing, it would be nice to have engineers on an engineering team. So like, I don't have to do the email reporting myself. Right? So.
0: Startup life. It's so normal. Founder life. Honestly, you dive in and you have to do all the things No, that's, So, so valuable. Look, Michael, before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and and that you're doing, you know, for showing us, particularly us, young, ambitious millennials, that if we have that desire to build something for ourselves, that we can do it, but it may take a lot of hustle and trying a whole bunch of things, but if we stick to what we're good at, we can ultimately get there. And so for that, we really appreciate you.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's uh, yeah, super fun.
0: Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think one is just like not having regrets that you didn't like to do something there, right? I, I think it's also like a lot more fun. Having fun with like what you do for a living has a lot of benefits, right? And I personally like startups, even like regardless of the project, just because like you're always working on something very different and something very new. So, yeah.
0: Love it. Ah, love it, Michael. Thank you so much. We've had an absolute blast. Where can we learn more about you and Homeroom?
1: Yeah, um, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. So just just search my name, show up there. Also like bit.ly slash mtish will link you there. And yeah, learn more about homegrown. Just go to livehomegrown.com slash invest.
0: Awesome, Michael. Thanks. We'll link it up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thePiersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.